Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. Lord willing, our intention is to go verse by verse and chapter by chapter through the entire Bible. Here to continue that journey is our Bible teacher here at Into the Word, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Daniel chapter 4. At the end of chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar has not been converted to biblical monotheism, but he has developed a profound respect for the God of Daniel and his three friends. Chapter 4 begins with further testimony to God's work in this man's life. We begin at verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Now, this is the highest expression of Nebuchadnezzar's understanding of God. Does it indicate that he is, he is saved? I don't know, and I've, I've read different opinions by different scholars on that point, but one thing is very clear. Nebuchadnezzar has been humbled and educated by Almighty God, and he is not the same man that we met in chapter 1. He's been through a life-changing experience, and he begins to narrate that experience in verse 4. So we pick it up there. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me and that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw, and their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in my bed were these. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven, 
Let his portion be with the beasts and the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Now, to experienced Bible readers, this actually seems like an easy dream to interpret. But Nebuchadnezzar, of course, was not an experienced Bible reader. In the Bible, trees are often used as symbols for kings and kingdoms, as, for example, in Ezekiel 17. We read that just a few weeks ago in our RMM readings. Or even more obviously, in Isaiah chapter 6, where the prophet compares the nation of Israel to a tree that has been cut down. He says, And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. That's Isaiah 6.13. And as you can hear for yourself, that's a very similar prophecy to the one contained in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But by the way, for New Testament readers, of course, Nebuchadnezzar had even less of an opportunity to read the New Testament. But Nebuchadnezzar's dream sounds for all the world almost like an inverse version of the parable of the mustard seed, doesn't it? Even some of the imagery about birds finding nests in its shade. So in, in, in all of these prophecies where the, the tree is used, where that imagery is, is used, there's this sense that the tree represents the growth of the kingdom. And in this sense, it represents Nebuchadnezzar and the kingdom. In, in the prophecy from Isaiah, Israel is the tree. And the fact that a stump has been preserved meant that a future had been preserved for Israel. And that goes on to say the holy seed is its stump. So something great will grow out of that trunk or out of that stump. It's been preserved. Now that's very similar to what we have here in Daniel 4. But of course, Nebuchadnezzar could not have known any of that, so he calls for Daniel to come and give him an interpretation. We pick up the story again at verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you, and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High 
which has come upon my lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. By the way, interesting principle there, that judgment can be lessened or deferred through immediate repentance. Now, Daniel has been clear throughout that the interpretation of dreams belongs to God. But whether Daniel knew of the prophecies of Isaiah or even Ezekiel, Ezekiel certainly knew about him, we don't know. But however he came by it, his interpretation of the dream was obviously spot on. The tree was Nebuchadnezzar. It represented his height, his glory, the reach of his sovereignty and rule, and it also represented his enormous pride. Because what Nebuchadnezzar failed to understand is that God makes men what they are. God lifts up and God casts down. Therefore, where is boasting? Nebuchadnezzar had not learned that lesson, and so God begins to teach that to him now. A judgment is pronounced. For seven years or seven periods of time, Nebuchadnezzar will be unfit for royal duties due to a strange mental illness that will make him think and act like an animal. And apparently such conditions do exist. E.J. Young, for example, diagnoses uh, this condition as boathrompy or lycanthropy. But whatever the condition was, it forced Nebuchadnezzar into a type of exile or quarantine. Now, some liberal scholars will protest that there is no record of such a quarantine in the recorded history of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. But that should hardly be surprising. Ancient kingdoms wrote their own history, and they did a great job of editing out unflattering details. There is a 150-year gap, for example, in the history of Egypt when a foreign power was placing its own people on the throne. Once their influence was removed, so too was all record of that time period. So we expect gaps, and there is no compelling reason, therefore, to doubt the historicity of this event. Daniel 4.28 goes on to say, All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my power as a royal residence, and for the glory of my majesty... While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers and his nails were like birds' claws. (laughs) Pride goeth before the fall, as Grandma used to say. And that is more or less the message of this chapter. God knows how to humble arrogant kings. 
He knows how to expose the pride of human beings. He knows how to remind men and women that God makes us what we are. He lifts up and he casts down and there is none that can deliver from his hand. That is the lesson that was learned by Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 34, he says, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me out, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right, and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. That is the lesson of this chapter, and it has been recorded for our instruction, and we do well to remember it. But we don't want to read the Old Testament merely to learn moral lessons. We do, of course, but ultimately we want more than that. We want to be pointed in the direction of Jesus Christ. And this story serves that purpose very well. The story of Nebuchadnezzar's arrogance and self-exaltation and God's subsequent humiliation and debasement of Nebuchadnezzar warns us away from that path and points us towards the person and path of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Of God the Father. Philippians 2, 6-11. That is the way of wisdom. That is the way of salvation. And that is the way of Christ. Thanks be to God. Thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those at intotheword.ca. You can also connect with Pastor Paul and other Bible readers on our Into the Word Facebook page. Just type Into the Word into your search bar. If you'd like to contribute to this listener-supported program, go to the website and click the Give bar in the top right-hand corner. Once again, that's intotheword.ca. We hope to see you again real soon right here for another episode of Into the Word.